McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. Well, guys, thank you so very much for joining into another adventure in the Holy Spirit with Jared Lasky. I want to bless each and every one of you. My family just got back from the Sin, Kansas City. My daughter actually responded. She's almost 13 years old. She responded to commit to pray for and go to the nations. So that's exciting. The Sin is following up with my daughter, 12 years old responding, knowing that she's got a call of God to the nations. And that's what my wife and I have been doing, just activating the Holy Spirit in our family, raising our kids on the word of God and taking them to these events such as the Send. Guys, today I've a, I'm so honored to bring, this is a dream interview to have Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission and co-founder of the University of Nations on Adventures in the Holy Spirit. If you've been listening to my podcast a while, you know that 20 some years ago, I was in YWAM for a year. You know that that's where I was powerfully touched by the Holy Spirit, equipped and activated, and then just going around the world doing multiple things for the glory of God. But also, uh, I was just there for three months at the School of Digital Film. My kids were in the foundation school, and we had the time of our lives together. So Lauren Cunningham is the founder of Youth with a Mission, the co-founder of the University of the Nations. He's ministered to every nation of the world, and his books include Is That Really You, God? He also has Jesus is Lord and the book that transformed nations, and also We Can End Bible Poverty Now. So Lauren, welcome to Adventures in the Spirit. Well, thank you very much, Jared. It's a joy to be with you. I'm just delighted, really, to have this time with uh, you that has had global experience and you're using your ministry for the glory of God. Well, Lauren, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. It is my pleasure to serve and it's an honor to have you on this program. Lauren, you're the founder of the large missions agency in the world that has impacted my life and my family's life. I'd like for you to share some of the background. I did a YWAM Voices series of five special guests from YWAM during my time there at the island up until about December. And it's just so awesome to have you coming to Adventures in the Spirit to tell us a little bit about the background of how God released YWAM, Youth with a Mission, to the nations. Can you share some of that story for us, for people who may not be familiar with you? Well, the uh, book, Is That Really You, God? That's now in more than 150 languages. And many millions have read it, but uh, it tells the story of listening and obeying uh, the Lord. This is something that uh, is at the heart of YWAM, that we are to do what God tells us. We're all called, and we all have gifts that match the callings. This is Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. For me, like your daughter, I was young. I was 13 when God called me to go to every nation on earth. And uh, for the cause of the gospel and the Great Commission. And so that's what I've been doing. I'm now, next month, I'll be 87 years old. Born in the midst of, of the Great Depression. And my parents were pioneering a church on the border 
of Mexico in Arizona, out in the desert. This is what I've grown up with. My grandparents were one of them, Nicholson, he was pioneering churches with out of a covered wagon, starting in uh, 1907. Uh, my mother was born just before Oklahoma became a state. So it has, they've started over 18 churches, is what I understand. And my other granddad, Cunningham, he was called the Walking Bible. He traveled and taught the Word of God. So I can go on back a few generations before that. It was uh, at age 13, the Lord gave me that vision. And uh, in 1956, that, that was 48, in 56, he gave me a vision of young people going out from everywhere to everywhere. It wasn't just Americans going out or Europeans and Americans, or Australians, New Zealander, Westerners going out. It was everyone were involved in the Great Commission. So now we do have YWAM leaders that carry among them 214 different passports. There was only like in the United Nations, 193 countries. We're in full time with more than 2000 bases worldwide YWAM full-time facilities and, and staff. These are long-termers because in a movement, you start with the short term and you go into the long term. And so in the short term, we've had many millions that have been with YWAM. I know in 2010, uh, I was told by the ones that keep that record, it, we were over 5 million at that time. But uh, it's the others that are long term and that's tens of thousands. I know when we were celebrating our 50th anniversary and in uh, 2010, my wife and I went to 44 locations around the world so that many of our staff could come in and meet together. But they all couldn't come in. We, uh, we probably got at least 40% of our workers. They could come to one of those locations, places like Kazakhstan or Mongolia or, or Sydney or, you know, different places in the world. And, uh, we had a sign deal that they would sign. We had 32,000 signed that, that covenant with the Lord. Now, some of those I think were, were not really full time, but they slipped in anyway. And then, but we had many that couldn't come. So we're not just short term, we're now long term by tens of thousands. Short term, we still have the most numbers in YWAM. As we got started through that vision in 1960, we're now 62 years old. We also are going to the islands, so we have 97, uh, excuse me, 27 ships, and uh, we're trying to get to all of the populated islands, not just in the Pacific, but wherever they are in the Caribbean and Middle East area as well. And you've been to, you actually had a world record of how many nations, countries that you went to. Can you share how many nations, how many nations did it take for you to break that world record or to begin that world record? Well, I, I, I've never submitted it, but uh, what I've done for missions, I've gone to all sovereign nations. And uh, that's, of course, 193 in, in the United Nations, but there's two or three others that are trying to join. And I've uh, been to all of those. 
and all the dependent countries like Greenland is dependent on Denmark, but Greenland has 50,000 people and we work all over Greenland and uh, they have a president and parliament, but they, they are dependent on, so they're not a sovereign nation. And uh, they don't have their own army. They don't have their own, you know, commitment into the United Nations and diplomacy and all of that. Or Oland, which is dependent on Finland and so on. So there's uh, 244 of those, excuse me, 243 are sovereign nation dependent countries. Then there's territories and islands. And those are, I don't know how many have been on, but... Uh, but scores and scores and scores of those, as well as separate islands that we have a list right now of uh, 938 islands that have no outside way to connect with the world. They, they don't have internet, they don't have postal service, they don't have regular ferry service, they have no airport and so on. So we can only go there by our vessels. And those are the ones we're targeting as well. And what we have learned on this, Jared, is that we have looked geographically, including Antarctic, Antarctic. We've been to both. I've been to both. And uh, in Antarctic, I was, my wife and I have been to 12 locations, but only four of them had people. The rest had penguins. But uh, we were on a, a ship that would take us to different places. And uh, not just the island part, but the mainland as well of Antarctic. And uh, but I could fly into the Nordic north north area of the Arctic, and I have been there all over in several locations there. So in learning that, whether it's in Kamchatka up into the Arctic, or whether it was in Nunavut and above Canada or above. Norway, way up at Svalbard, I've been there. And, you know, to, to see the world and from just a small way, as I, just one person, what, what can you see? But yet it gives you the, the understanding that we need to take the alls and the everys of the Great Commission. As I've gone to all of these countries and, and dependent nations and territories, and so on, that that would be several hundred. And with that, I began to realize you can't finish the Great Commission just geographically. And so the book that you, you have there, I've written uh, actually uh, seven books, but one of them is in German. It's not been translated into English. The books themselves have different themes as we've advanced in our in our growth of the movement called YWAM. And uh, both in numbers, but in amazing ministries that God has birthed through, not me only, but others, many others. We have over a hundred different ministries of YWAM that are trademarked. And then other ministries come out and we encourage those because we're not to have everybody in YWAM, but there are those that we do. And so, I was told of the Lord and the book that you held up there, we can in Bible poverty now. And I made a statement in 2003, and I, I quote that statement in that book. I was in Singapore at the time, 
speaking to leaders from many nations in missions. And they also, we had pastors of mega churches there. And I said, you know, we could, if we will, we could have the Bible in every language on earth if we would take these next 17 years. And then by Christmas 2020, we could have one scripture in every language, which means it's a foot in the door. You know where the language is. You know who the people are. You know something that you can then go and put the whole Bible into every language. And of course, I have to rewrite that portion because in 2020, we didn't have it. Hmm. We'd done some, some things, but I, we just didn't have what, what I saw we could have had. Even take the scripture, Jesus wept. And it doesn't have problems of translation. That can be translated into any language. And you've at least gotten the name of Jesus there, but showing that he has compassion and he has love for people as well as a city. But if you take God is love into a new group and they, you have no background, the word God can be a demonic person out of their culture. They wouldn't know the difference. And love, no telling what you would have gotten. So that, those were the ones that I wanted to see because that you have to handle that to, and about 50 words to be able to get the Bible into all languages that will be the right words. Anyway, in 2020, as I was praying about this, the Lord gave me a new word. And he said, I want you to now, you've been focusing on geography. I want you to start in just as diligently. Don't give away that, that, keep going. But just as diligently focus on language. That was a strong word. And he says, if you'll take ethno-linguistic groups, ethnicity, that's sometimes translated ethno as nation in the Bible. It's not like a nation today. Ethno is just a little bigger than a family. It's a clan. And then it becomes a tribe. Then it becomes a nation in the way we think of today, like in Revelation 7, 9. In heaven, they have around the throne of Jesus to rule and reign with Christ. And they have it them from every nation, every tribe, every ethnicity, ethne, ethno, ethne, plural, and every language group. So if they have that in heaven, and we are to pray on earth, thy kingdom come on earth as it is the Lord's Prayer. We have to have every language on earth praising and worshiping God and knowing Jesus. Now, how do you do it? That was and my next take, question. How do we do it? Yeah, well, Mark 16, 15 is the founding verse. And it says, go into all the world. That's geography. Preach or communicate, that's communication. And gospel, that does, that's, that's the good news. That doesn't change. But the others can change. But the last is every creation or creature. That includes, even like Romans says, even the environment groans to be adopted, but it means every person should feel the power of God's forgiveness and of his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. 
and we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Kingdom is what you do in the will of God that extends his kingdom, whatever category. And his righteousness is right relationships between God and us and with each other. And so then other things will be added. Those are not as important as those two. So really, as you answer that question, how to, if we will aim for the languages and do it like he did it, he spoke and said, let there be light. Verse three, chapter one, he spoke and he created by speaking. That's oral. He gave the language to Adam and Eve, and they could speak to each other and to God. And then there became only one language, and they decided in, in uh, Babel, Babylonia, Bab Babylon, they, they decided they were going to build a tower to heaven, making their own way to heaven. And uh, it was globalization, or one world government. Nimrod wanted to be to the top of that. He was not just a hunter of animals. He was hunting fame and power. And so I heard that from a uh, message that, that a Jewish rabbi was giving. And he, he was seeking for that. And God scattered them by giving them many mother tongues all at once. And so that's the area. If we will go for those scattered tongues, and there are more of them since then, and reach everyone, we know there are 7,200 of those mother tongues. Only instead of going there and learning it, which you have to first learn culture and then language, because language creates culture, you have to do backwards. And that's what Bible translators do for textual Bibles. They spend up to, and then they create an alphabet or orthography. By doing that, they have now spent almost 12 years, and then they start translating. Turn it around and go for the mother tongue. And that's what I'll talk to you about more, because the mother tongue, as I've gone into this, it is so exciting, and it's so, we can do it. Literally, we can do this in 13 years. But it, that doesn't mean we will. That, there's a lot of difference. And we can if we will. It's not we will if we can. It's we can if we will. And it's to turn it around. You want to hear about that? I would love to. It would be an honor. All right. Please share. Well, with this, we're, we're wanting to, first of all, the Bible, the whole Bible is only in out of 7,200 languages we know. We'll find a few more, of course. But with that number, we look at what we have the whole Bible in. It's 708 Bibles, not even, not even 10%. Then we have a, a few thousand more. That This is after the Reformation really gave us the big boost. For 500 years, now we have a, a few, uh, two or 3,000 with the area of New Testaments. Yeah, it's around 3,000. And then we have smatterings of some Bible uh, in, from various sources in, in another few hundred languages. We know of 1,149 languages that don't even have one scripture. Wow. So we're going to those first, but along with it, we're bringing in oral translations. 
because in the Great Reformation, they were able to put, first of all, 20, 20 languages with the full Bible, starting with, they, like Martin Luther did the New Testament first. He did it in 10 weeks. I was in the castle where he did it, right in the very room where he wrote it. And uh, he was brilliant. He could do that. He did it in 10 weeks. But uh, others started because of what he did. They got the whole Bible in their mother tongue. It changed all of the seven spheres. Arts suddenly were just different. Same with music. Bach wrote on every page to the glory of God. The same thing happened for education. They all wanted to learn to read because the Gutenberg Press had been invented about 80 years prior to the, the Reformation beginning. And in doing that, they, they began to see, oh, we can distribute. Because before, it was a scribe, and it cost thousands of dollars in today's money to get one book that was written by a scribe. And so now they could multiply it, because and also there became up to 50 languages. And now you, you get the birthing of Western civilization based on the Bible. The fathers of modern science all were Bible-reading Christians, followers of Jesus, even the, the Industrial Revolution giving the Western world the head start on economy and science and education and so on. So all of that came out of the Bible and the Gutenberg Press. But now we have, yeah, we've had it for now many years, what we call digital. Yeah. Digital, both oral and textual. We can put the Jesus film, which is visual. We can put all kinds of things, worship songs and so on. And so I learned in Mongolia, I've been there several times, and we were getting a Bible to every home, still are. We have 50 full-time doing just that right now in Mongolia. We're only in about one-fifth of all homes there. But uh, that's a hard copy. When I learned that they have smartphones, 88% of all ages 21 to 37 have smartphones. And of the teenagers, 15 to 20, 95% have smartphones. So we started with a little card that size of your fingernail that you could put into your smartphone and you can have the entire Bible in Mongolian. And you can also have the oral Bible. Now it's the oral Bible that up to 80% of the world wants oral. We say normally two thirds of the world want oral overwritten. Written gives you literacy. It gives you in-depth study of the Bible but you need the oral to get to the heart if it's the mother tongue. And the mother tongue is what God uses to birth every baby. And so not just to birth them, but in the physical way, but 10 weeks before the baby is born, they start hearing sounds and then start distinguishing their mother's voice. They don't know what she's saying, but she hears the love. She hears the voice. So that when the baby comes out, she's, she or he are, are greeted by their, the voice they know so well, uh, not a stranger. And also the other four areas like taste and touch and, and uh, sight and, and hear, hearing and what, what did I miss? Anyway, all five of those, smell. 
And so as you, as you get that, there's a love that goes into that. It goes back really to the beginning of life until legally they solve when does life begin. And life begins when life begins. That's right. Is added other than development, other than what God does. And at conception, this just came out this January, a scientist was speaking at the uh, at, um, focus on the family. And I'm getting this second-handed. And so a man was there, one of our advisors, businessman. And he said, he showed us a, a, a slide on the screen that was a flash of light, not even one second. The mother gives 100% of her DNA, father 100% of his. And in the new combination, you have a unique person never in history. And as far as DNA, but we're all made in the image of God. When does that happen? That's right. I believe it happens at conception. Absolutely. And when the of light came, God spoke and let that the real life. That was God uh, giving the image of God. Then in the womb, Psalms 139, he gives them their gifts, and their gifts will match the calling he gives, and that's without repentance. So whatever you do, learn your calling early in life like your daughter is. And, and as she learns her calling, her gifts can be developed, but they've been started by God himself in the mother's womb. Now, go to every language on earth, find somebody. I, I did right here in Kona. I was in the hospital getting some uh, skin surgery, you know, for, for what I got from my too many surf, surfing days in the sun. In, in Santa Monica, and uh, when I was a kid, so I had a little bit of cancer. But I, I said to this nurse, I always ask, uh, where were you born and raised? And uh, so that's why I ask you, Jared, the same thing. Yeah. And so that I, I learn more about people, and I think geogra geographically, but it helps me in other ways. And one of them is to find out their ethnicity, and their ethnicity. It's not race. So nobody has a pure race of any kind. We're just all too mixed up. And that's what, what this, uh, this product gives you when you send away your specimen and they, they tell you how many, you're so much of this and that and the other. And the Bible doesn't talk about that kind of race at all. The only race is the chosen race, which is the people of God that born by the, by the Spirit through Jesus. And so as you see, I, I said to this lady, where you, uh, the nurse, I said, where are you born and raised? She said, Pompeii. Oh, I said, I've been there. You're part of the Federated States, yes. I said, now, Chuk is nearby, also a part of Federated States. Do they speak your same language? No, they, we can't talk to them in our language or they in ours, and they, they to us in theirs. But we have to go in English to get to them. Well, English doesn't do the same as mother tongue, unless it's your mother tongue. And so I said to her, well, do you have a Bible in Pompeii language? She said, yes, but we don't have oral Bible. So as of two days ago, well, yesterday, no, this is, yeah, yesterday, I called the name she gave me right here in Kona, someone who's willing to record the entire Bible 
in their mother tongue, and we're going to help them. It'll be done here at the YWAM base, and we'll, we'll record it, put it on the internet with the written word on the internet, both in, in uh, the technicalities that are so important so that they will have that plus the Jesus film. So you can see the word, you can hear the word, and you can hear it in your mother tongue. And so it's in that way, if we will work backwards, it's really forwards. A grammar school is the first time you learn textual, first time you learn about reading and writing. That's why they call it the grammar school. You begin communication the moment you come out and even before the sound. And so with that, let's turn it around and go to the mother tongue. Now, let me say, this happens at the birth of a child, but this happens at the birth of the church, the church in Acts chapter two. What was it that grabbed them so strongly and so in such a way they trusted that they would give their lives to Jesus when they had never, they had prophecies, they were devout Jews, but they would become martyrs, they'd become persecuted, and uh, 3,000 in one day, you say, well, it was the sound of wind and the fire. No, that got their attention. Wind and fire doesn't get your beliefs. It gets your attention, or it confirms your beliefs, but that's what signs following does for you. It confirms your belief, but it doesn't get your attention, get your attention, but it doesn't get, get your trust. I've seen it too much. I've been with Bonky all over Africa, different parts of Africa. And, you know, I see all kinds of miracles. I've spoken to the multitudes, but I know that you have to have trust. Now, when they heard dozens and dozens of languages that they spoke as their mother tongues. And they'd come to the big city for this, this gathering by the thousands and only 3,000 were there to hear the gospel, how God became a, a baby and how God gave his life to us on the cross. His name is Jesus and he's the word within the word. John 1, 1 tells us. So they, they hear this, but they hear it in their mother tongue. And you'll see, as you look at verses 6 through 12 there in chapter 2 of Acts, you will see that during that time, they were amazed and marveled. What? First, that they were speaking their mother tongue to them. And who was speaking it? Ignorant, uneducated smell of fishermen, because they were fishermen, speaking out, 120, so others were added. But when, when you see what happened there was the mother tongue was the delivery way. I'm saying, let's find three, like I found this woman and just, just called for the first time yesterday, and she, she speaks the mother tongue. And though they have the Bible, they don't have the oral. But I'm doing this to help our workers here to see how to do the recording of mother tongues and how important it is. I'll ask her as I do 
all the time. How many of your people read the Bible? And that's that's a hard hard one for us to hear because they don't read or don't know how, or they really want to hear something that is oral. And when it's mother tongue, it's totally different. There we on Zoom. I was just hearing this three weeks ago here in my little room at my home. I, I've had to do this because I just spoke uh, Friday night uh, into real late until almost midnight into Indonesia to hundreds and few thousand actually in Indonesia. But uh, I had 90 minutes with them. But when I show them how, how to do this, then they can go out and do this where they have no Bible at all by getting three out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. See, a scribe didn't have anybody checking on him. He was alone. Proverbs says in the multitude of many, there's uh, counselors, there's, there's safety. But in, in Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 1, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, truth is established. So I'd like to say, get three. And they can correct each other by red flagging it, coming back and editing it. But they can do the whole Bible. You can read the Bible out loud uh, in English in 72 hours. And we do that here, test it out. But when you, when you actually turn it to mother tongue speakers with the right accent, the people that know the, the people and the people know them, if you get them, get them saved and bring them into a community. We're bringing them into to YWAM schools around the world. We have now our schools in 163 nations. And as we do this, as we're bringing them in, they have the fellowship, they have the prayer, they have the worship time, they have eating time, just like in the day of Pentecost, they sat around the table eating, then talking in the market language so that each could understand each other of what they had heard of the gospel. And so we can do that by turning it around. And now we have, besides YWAM, we have 48 other groups that are now doing this that have all met together now. And we're doing this in unity. And we believe that we can literally see every language on earth. As Jesus said to pray, because they're doing it in heaven, having an entire Bible and having a people group in a fellowship, praising and worshiping God and learning the word of God in literally every language on earth, not just maybe, but we can count them. Wow. Thank you so very much, Lauren. We can end Bible poverty. And we can. all to the glory of God. I love the vision. I love the direction. <clears throat> I've seen some of those memory cards that people could put into cell phones and take into nations around the world. Uh, Lauren, I would love for you to pray for us, pray for those who will be viewing this or listening into this podcast episode who feel a stirring of the Holy Spirit. Can you pray for clarity of, of vision, of calling for those who are listening and now sensing the Holy Spirit moving on them? Love to. Thank you, Jared, for the opportunity. I do need to say as I said in the book, you know, about we can do this. At 2020, I realized 
I had not done. See, it's like you heard it at sin. Action is important, not just commitment in terms of verbal. And I had not even chosen one language. Now I sold my car. It's an electric car, one of the best. And that's somebody allowed me to, to have. And I just sold it last week. And to get the money out of it, and I'm using that money to uh, pay for what needs to be paid for, for 50 languages that have no Bible at all. And that's a personal commitment. And see, you can't start a movement by telling everybody else to do it. That's what I did back there in 2003. You have to do it yourself. Doesn't matter your age. Find a language and begin to pray for it and then begin to do it. Lord, I wanna pray that everyone that is now listening to this pod, this podcast, that they will be able to come across somebody in their area because America has more languages than any nation on earth, but people don't know it. And I pray that you'll bring them with them and, and they'll be able to say, hey, can I help you? Do you have a Bible in your mother tongue? No. Would you have two friends that we could and start the process of orally translating the Bible? We do it every day in YWAM all over the world. You do it in every classroom all over the world. But I pray, God, that this will become a way of life as a movement among Christians that are listening to this podcast and pray i pray the anointing on them i pray that they'll be able to find somebody that speaks those that the, one of those languages and they will be able to bring the entire ethnicity to know jesus through language and i pray whether it's in in houston where they have 200 languages spoken in the homes or other that's for officially known or whether it's Chicago, but also little towns. And I pray for the Indian tribal groups that don't have a Bible. God, let us have a generation where everyone has the word of God and a knowledge about Jesus, and then a fellowship of believers to grow in, and then schools for their children to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I pray that down upon the listeners in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lauren, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you for more information, but also to get your book, We Can End Bible Poverty Now? Well, you can get it through the publishers, YWAM Publishers. We have publishing in many countries of the world, but uh, ours is in Seattle area under YWAM Publishing. And you can write to, let's see, what we have here, University of the Nations, or ywam.org, I think uh, that's another way, but that's universal. They can tell you how to do that, but uh, write to Kona to our address. I don't, I don't even have it, obviously, but I'm sure we have U of N edu. Yeah, that's another one. And they can, they can find out about how to do this. That's our university campus name uh, address here in Kona. E- e- L- U of N. That's University of the Nations. And uh, 
.org, uh, .edu, and that, that one you can do. So that will help. Well, thank you so very much, Lauren. This was a dream come, come true. YWAM impacted my life, changed my life 20, back in 1998. I can't do the math right now. <laughs> and then uh, as my, I was in YWAM for a year and then I took my family there, but you're right in, um, in that we need to take action. My family, through a series of events, God challenged us to raise like $25,000 for discipleship translation in Dari and Pashtu for Afghanistan. And uh, okay. my kids self-published a book to raise money, a, a kid's book uh, to raise money for that. And we know some of the events that have transpired in that nation recently, but you know we've sown seed and we believe that uh, the harvest is ripe, the harvest is plentiful, even in the darkest of nations, God's light will shine through. And so thank you so very much for being part of Adventures in the Spirit. I want to encourage everybody, share this episode, but also look back. I've got a five-part series called YWAM Voices. YWAM Voices, five episodes. Uh, I've got Josh Bischoff on an episode. I've got Christoph Ulysse and even Joel Rogers. So please listen to that. And if anybody, if you're sensing the call of God in your life, I'd encourage everybody, young, old, you name it, people of all ages, take five or six months, if you've got the time, do a YWAM Discipleship Training School and be deeply impacted and see what God does in you and through you to that. And don't forget to subscribe and share Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples the Great Commission, promising them the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. With the Holy Spirit as your teacher, Jared Lasky developed a new Bible study journaling system that is sure to equip you in your adventure with God. The Spirit-Empowered Journal offers life-changing steps that will enhance your biblical studies. This journal will not only help you know how God spoke in the Scripture, but also what He is speaking to you now. This is an incredible approach to Bible study, empowering your spiritual journey. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit and understanding of the Scriptures will increase as you use the Spirit-Empowered Journal. Buy your paperback copy on Amazon.com or FirebornMinistries.com.